Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You know, I read something, I read something, I read something this week. I will mention it now and then I will mention it at the end of my message today. And the name of the article was please stop inviting the Holy Spirit into your church. So before I ever get started today, just to make religion mad, we ought to welcome Holy Spirit Holy Spirit, you're welcome! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Have your way, Holy Ghost! Holy Spirit and fire! Come into this place! Hallelujah! Just standing for a few more moments as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord, Galatians chapter 3. Begin reading in verse 1, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly or portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit. You are now being perfected by the flesh did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain so then does he who provides you with the spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith Lord bless your word today. And the church said, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Thank you so much. Last week, I began with a question, what makes Pentecostals Pentecostal? And I dealt with our Pentecostal distinction, whether you have figured it out or not. Maybe you don't know, but you stumbled into a Pentecostal church. So I preached on what makes the Pentecostals Pentecostal about our Pentecostal distinctive being, you know, Pentecost Sunday and all. And so my son-in-law, David, whom I am well pleased. Is he still in here? Oh, I didn't know he was still in here. Kind of took it on himself to assess the current condition of the Pentecostal churches in our city as far as to find out how many of them actually celebrated Pentecost. So he went online to maybe three of the largest, maybe probably Pentecostal churches or Assemblies of God churches. And um, to kind of find out how they celebrated Pentecost. Of course, they probably don't like me calling them Pentecostal churches because that's not cool anymore. So I would abide by their wishes and call them spirit-empowered churches because we prefer that today. Remember, if you lose words, 
if you lose words. And to our surprise, none of them celebrated or even acknowledged Pentecost Sunday. And when I realized that, and I was thinking about that this week, I, I, I thought about the fact that, you know what, we don't celebrate what we tolerate. Oh, I'm going to bring something. In many of our Pentecostal churches today, it's almost as if the Pentecostal distinctive is a necessary truth or inconvenient truth. We have to believe it because it's in our bylaws. Our constitution and bylaws say. Let me see if I can find that. Let's jump right to that. I have to bring a copy. Just focus. We have 16 tenets of faith here at Fresh Start Church. Number seven of those 16 is the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Not even Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. It's been a while since I looked at it. Baptism in the Holy Ghost, number seven. All believers are entitled and should expect and earnestly seek the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Holy Ghost and fire. According to the command of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not even an option, it's a command. <laughs> This was the normal experience of all the early Christians, Christian church. With it comes the endowment of power for life and service, bestowment of the gifts, and their use in the world of ministry. This experience is distinct from and subsequent to the experience of the new birth. With the baptism in the Holy Ghost comes such reverence for God. An intensification or intensified consecration to God and a dedication to his work. And a more active love for Christ, for his word, and for the lost. But as a stop there, we also have number eight in our constitution. Out of the, number eight of the 16 tenets of faith or the fundamental truths is number eight, which is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The baptism of believers in the Holy Ghost is witnessed by the initial physical sign of speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit of God gives them the utterance. The speaking in tongues is this instance is the same in essence as the gift of tongues in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 10, and 28, but different in purpose and use. So in case you're wondering where we stand theologically on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, now you know. Now you know. So as I was dealing with this thing about our Pentecostal distinctive, that's what I just read to you. Now, there, there, seems, there seems to be a situation here in our text that Paul is dealing with, and he asks a question, having begun in the Spirit, why have you settled for the product of the flesh? You know, if, if, you, if you read your Bible, and I know you do, and you, 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 you see throughout Paul's apostolic letters that many times you will, you will find that he is expressing to the church his great joy. He, he has great joy in watching their progress. And he expresses this joy by saying, and I pray to God that may you abound more and more. May you increase in the fullness of God. But here in, in our text, in the book of Galatians, the apostolic father has taken on somewhat of, of another tone. He has taken on a tone of correction. You know, Paul understood. He told Timothy, his son in the faith. He said, preach the word, son. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. 
You know, one of the weak elements in the body of Christ today is that we have become addicted to positivity. There's a reason why one of the largest churches in America only preaches positivity. Because as American Christians, we are addicted to it. But what we don't understand is when you only have a positive message, then you shut down two-thirds of the prophetic ministry. Rebuke and repute. Then you can exhort. But we don't want rebuke. We don't want reproof. We only want exhortation, edification. But in reality, exhortation and edification are built on the foundation of reproof and rebuke. Well, we talk about how sensitive our culture is. Why don't we talk about how sensitive Christians are? Why don't we talk about how upset we get when the preacher gets on, he's on our, our most least favorite subject and he's pushing on it and he won't stop. We're just getting started. You know, there's a story in, in 1 Kings chapter 22. King Ahab, King Jehoshaphat. King Ahab is getting ready to go out to battle. And he asked King Jehoshaphat, will you come and will you join us in this battle? And, and so they're gathering, they're getting ready to go out to battle. And Jehoshaphat says, wait a minute, is there not a prophet? Is there not someone that can give us the word of the Lord concerning this battle? And Ahab goes, well, there is one. But he always talks mean to me. Matter of fact, he's so mean to me, I don't really want to hear what he has to say. And Jehoshaphat says, shut your mouth. We need a word from God. We need to hear a word from the prophet. Oh, the church in America needs to hear the word of a real prophet. Somebody that thunders. Somebody that roars. Somebody that pulls sin out of us. Somebody that pulls uh, passivity out of us. Somebody that moves us. Well, they called the prophet, and the prophet said, you go to battle, Ahab, you're going to die. He went to battle, and he died. <laughs> See, Paul's addressing an issue here. He sees in the Galatian church, this Galatian church is a church that apparently had some level of spiritual manifestation in it. And so as Paul is addressing them as an apostolic father, he is noticing that they are not living up to their spiritual potential. What had been birthed in outpouring, what had been birthed in revival, what had been birth of a moving and a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power. Now they were trying to finish it in the flesh. Someone talk about Pentecostal dilemma or Pentecostal dilemma. Because I, I, I have this concern in, in Pentecostalism and in the Pentecostal movement in our nation. It, it, that that we're, we're trying to have church without power. Uh, you know, the church has always been designed to run on Holy Spirit power. Without Holy Spirit power, we will never have enough of what we need for the church to become everything that God intends for us to be. God has a great vision for his church. The church is birthed by the Holy Spirit. And the church is sustained by the Holy Spirit. 
It is born to run off the fuel of Holy Spirit. Without Holy Spirit, the church is helpless. I'm telling you, we're helpless. That's why he told the disciples when he got ready to leave. He said, I'm going away. But the comforter, the helper is coming because he knew we couldn't do it by ourselves. He knew we would need the helper. He knew we would need the Holy Ghost. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me right now. He said, it's to your advantage that I go that he might come. Ah, because when he comes, he's going to help you. He's going to help you. He's going to help you. I got a good news word. The help is on the way. Help is on the way. Holy Ghost is about ready to break through. And over the last two decades, or more maybe, even though we are helpless without Holy Spirit, the church has been reconstructed to work without him. We have forgotten The church was created by him. Sustained by Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, everyone in this room that's born again owes your spiritual life the beginning to the end and throughout eternity on the Holy Spirit. We don't understand how weak we are. We don't understand how frail we are. We don't understand how much inability that we are filled with. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes to help us. He comes to help us. Ah, I can't get away from it. He comes to help us. Do you realize without Holy Spirit, there is no Christians? Without Holy Spirit, there is no church. Uh, but see, we have forgotten. We have forgotten uh, that we are born of the Spirit. And you see, as powerful as our salvation is, as powerful uh, as the finished work of the cross is, and the shed blood of Jesus is, the only way that we are born again is by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible calls it theologically regeneration. When you're saved, it's not just you believe something it's because you encounter someone so I don't know how we have gotten comfortable with the father son and putting Holy Ghost somewhere else the last time I checked the Godhead was God the father God the son God the Holy Ghost. And without him, oh, let me talk about salvation one more time. Doesn't Hebrews say that we should not neglect such a great salvation? You want to know why it's great? It's great because the Father thought it. It's great because the Son bought it. And it's great because the Holy Spirit brought it. See, are you saying we can't be saved? Are you saying the cross isn't enough? No, I'm saying absolutely the cross is enough. It cleanses. It purifies. It is a legal act in the heavenly realm that broke the power of sin and Satan off everyone that believes. But there's still an act of the Holy Ghost. We can't bypass him. See, some people don't even have that revelation. This is why we have churches full of people who aren't converted. They have not been offered transformation beyond salvation. 
We need the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus commanded his disciples to stay in the city until they would be clothed with power from on high, he said, you're getting ready to get something. It's from another world. Another world. And the fact that he said, don't do anything until you get this power. Until you have this encounter. Don't do anything. Just go there and wait. If anything else that should prove to us that one essential to activate the church is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yet we press on. We don't have time to wait anymore. We're not getting the results we want to get. So we press on. And our endeavors do not require the help of the Holy Spirit. We would like to have him involved, but he is not necessary. A.W. Tozer, who is really a prophet, Before his time, I quote, if the Holy Spirit was to be withdrawn from the church today, 95% would do what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. We have become so good at doing church that we don't even need Holy Ghost to help us anymore. I can't get no help in this church. You see, when you put Holy Spirit to the side, when you trivialize who he is and what he does. But yet, you say, I still believe. I still have theology of the baptism of the Holy Spirit And I still have my theology and my doctrine straight according uh, to the evidence of the baptism. In other words, if you go to my bylaws, which I did, if you go to my bylaws, you will see that I have in my bylaws the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a fundamental truth as well as the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So then what we see is this. Across our nation in the Pentecostal movement is that we have theology without experience. Oh yes, we still have, we still have theology without experience. Samuel Chadwick, a great revivalist, said, no doctrine of the Christian faith has been more neglected than the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We still have theology of Holy Spirit, but we have lost our living consciousness of his presence and of his power. So whether he manifests or not, We don't even know it because he hasn't manifested in so long. And the problem is, is we're okay with that. I know I'm preaching in a revival church. You say you're preaching to the choir. Well, I got to make sure we hold on to this thing. I got to make sure the fire keeps burning. I got to make sure we don't get too comfortable with the blessing of the Lord and the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit in this place. I've got to make sure that we can do this so well we can do it without Holy Spirit see theology without experience is like faith without works what does your Bible say dead faith without works is dead 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 there's we can go into so many churches on this Sunday morning and you know what it's like dead 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 yes man the Holy Ghost is there because he's everywhere well he may be everywhere but he doesn't manifest everywhere because where he is there is life where he is there is life where he is there is life 
We got way too many churches with dead atmospheres. I said we got way too many churches. We got a broken, sin-sick, dead world that needs to walk up into a church that's filled with the life of the Spirit. Yes? You see, how do you know? Because signs of death are everywhere. Prayer meetings are dead. Even if you do have one, you can't get nobody to come. Prayer meetings are dead. Pentecostal services are dead. I'm not preaching to the evangelicals. I'm not preaching to my my, my reformed theological brothers. I'm talking about Pentecostal churches. I'm talking about those, if you go to their constitution and bylaws and you find their beliefs, what they believe is what I'm preaching right now. But if you go up in their church, it's far from what they believe. It's far from what they believe. All I'm saying is, if you're not going to practice it, get it out of your theology. It means something. Yeah. I'm telling you, Pentecostal worship services are dead. They ain't got no more high praise. Most Pentecostals today are afraid of high praise. They're afraid of high praise. They're afraid of deep worship. You won't find too many of them falling on their face. Just being in his presence. I'm talking about in church. I'm telling you, it's dead. I'm preaching to somebody. They may not even be in this room, but I'm preaching to somebody. Pentecostal proclamation and preaching, dead. Unfortunately, most Pentecostals today will walk into a church like this and have a nervous breakdown. They say, don't take all that. It don't take all that to be dead. Dead is easy. Dead's like. It takes no energy, no effort, no passion, no pursuit, no discipline, no hunger. You just. Go ahead, I dare you. I double dog dare you. Walk up in one of them churches and half the people will be sitting down and thumbing through their phone while the other half is drinking a hot cup of coffee and we think Holy Ghost is in that service? We think Holy Spirit's gonna show up when we got better things to do than to lift up our voices and to lift up our hands and to shout out our praise and to get on our face. You know what else is lost? No conversions, no deliverance, no divine healings because we can't get nobody to the altar and put anointed hands on them anymore. I'm talking to Pentecostal churches. In case you're wondering. Are you mad? No, no. I am. Because I am one, and there is a price to pay to get the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Dead, 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 dead. Where's that? Where's one of them cameras at? Come here. Can you do that? Somebody come up here. I gotta talk. Can I? You got me? Did I look good? Did I just drop about 50 pounds? I told him to get skinny cameras. Are you ready for this? If you're in a dead church, run. 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 For the sake of a generation, for the sake of your soul, run. Run until everything in you dies. Run! Somebody shall run! My God, I call him out. I call him out. I call every hungry Pentecostal believer out of those dead, dead, dead atmosphere. 
into the life of the Holy Spirit. Woo! See, if you have churches without power, theology without experience, obviously the end results are going to be believers without power. Can we just get real about this thing? That's all I'm trying to do is be real about it. We have placated. We have tried to, you know, everybody's trying to be nice and act like it doesn't matter. And maybe to some folks it doesn't matter. But it matters to me. Because I'm raising three grandkids. That as long as I got breath in my lungs, they're going to have a Holy Ghost power encounter. So unfortunately, we are in a situation where much of the church has lost its authority and power. We who are, who are leading churches, the five-fold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist. We have lost power in our people. And I, I feel like that it's due to the leadership of churches, which I am one, that we willfully neglect provoking believers into a spiritual encounter. The fear of man has gripped the pulpits of America. That we willfully subjugate our authority to provoke people into the presence of God. This is nothing new to us here. Maybe your first time here today and, or, or your second or your third time here today. And I, 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 we're looking forward to meeting you after the service and I'll be much calmer in the green room. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that because we don't want to offend because we have bought this understanding of Holy Spirit that Holy Spirit is a dove and therefore he is gentle and he is very gentle therefore the Holy Spirit never pushes anyone correct he draws you see Everybody wants the breeze and the dove, the wind. Although the wind, the wind on the day of Pentecost said there was a sound as a violent rushing wind. We say that they didn't feel it. They heard it, but we don't know they didn't feel it. We just assume that. Because it said it was a sound. And there was a sound. Where, where am I going? Oh, Holy Ghost. So, so Holy Spirit, y'all know, is a person. But in Scripture, he is fire. He is wind. He is river. And so what we have to understand is you can't just get one piece of him. He does not have split personalities. You get full Holy Ghost or you get no Holy Ghost. But my point is, as I'm getting to is we have stopped putting a demand on the spiritual capacity of the believer. And when this happens, churches die. 
And when the atmosphere gets dead, it begins to decline. And inevitably, when the church begins to lose its attractiveness, uh, it, it, the only remedy to the decline then is external methods, structures, and systems. I know I've been there. There was a season we walked through that it seemed like no matter what we did, nothing worked. The church seemed to be at a lull. The church wouldn't move forward. There was no growth. It seemed stagnant no matter what we did. And when you get like that as a leader and as a pastor, you get desperate. I've got to figure out a way to fix this. But the problem for the modern church is we look external. We say maybe we need to change our system. Maybe we need to change our structure. Maybe we need to change our method. Or maybe we ought to get back to what makes the church attractive anyway. That is the person, the power, and the presence of Holy Spirit. I can't think of anything more attractive than watching the Spirit of God fill an altar full of people and begin to break the power of darkness off their life. I can't think of anything more attractive than I walk into a room and believers are ready to worship. They are ready to go hard. You don't have to push them. You don't have to prod them. They've already been there. They're ready. There's nothing more attractive than an authentic pursuit of God. You see, what happens is when we substitute flesh for spirit, because that's what Paul's dealing with. You have begun in the spirit. Why have you settled for the flesh? We know textually they slipped back into the grips of religion. See, the, the, the pure essence of religion, and there's many facets to it. My wife has done an amazing job teaching on it, if you need to get that to learn. But when you just boil it down, religion is when man attempts to please man, or let me say it like this, to please God and man with effort. Let me show you what I can make for you, God. I can make a really big church for you. Like God's up in heaven counting all the church people today. I can really make something that's really cool looking. I, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think it was Reinhard Bonnke that, 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 that said... I, I, I can't quote it, but he, he talked about the fact that, that when you, the less Holy Ghost you have, the more coffee and cakes you got to have. If I can't get him in the spirit, at least I can get him well caffeinated. If I can't get him full in the Holy Ghost, I can get him full on the donut or two. Maybe free coffee and donut to get them back next week. I got them back, Lord. Now we just got to be cool that none of them gets mad at us. That's something that happens when you turn 60, you don't care anymore. Been down that road, up and down, in and out, you know, whatever. Anyway, the point is, is when you take Holy Spirit out of a church, you build believers without power. And when you substitute flesh for spirit, what do you get? Flesh. Jesus said in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In our attempt to, to connect with a carnal, fleshly culture, we have created churches out of carnal, fleshly ideas and mechanisms and all of these things. All they're doing is creating more flesh in our churches. 
You can't do a fleshly thing and get a spiritual thing. Man, I learned this years ago when we went through something. I said, Lord, I'm tired of dealing with carnal Christians. And the Lord said, why are they carnal? He said, if you're tired of dealing with carnal Christians and grow them up, stop complaining. We got churches complaining. My people are dead. Why are they dead? What have you fed them? What have you given them? What have you pushed on them to grow in? I know I'm preaching to the wrong crowd. And you know what happens? When, 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 when flesh and spirit come together, it's called antagonism. The Bible says that. It's your Bible. You know your Bible. The flesh is contrary to the spirit. They fight against each other. There ain't nothing worse going into a church that's got a conflict of flesh and spirit going on. And this is why many pastors have given up. Because the only way you're going to break that thing is you're going to have to look that fleshly thing in the face. And you're going to have to put it down and say, we're going to, we're going to fight this fight because the glory is worth it. The revival's worth it. God's presence is worth it. And if I've got to fight through this thing, thank God we've already fought through that. Because you come in here in your flesh, we're going to break you down. Not in a bad way, in a good way. Okay, so let me get back to the text because I'm, 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 I'm. So it's obvious that Paul is pointing back to a spiritual outpouring and a revival when the Holy Spirit had manifested in power. And Paul reminds them. He said, by faith, you received the work of Christ. And by faith, You received the Holy Spirit. So Paul not only preached justification by faith, Paul preached manifestation by faith. You see, when we evict Holy Spirit from our churches, which we would never do that verbally, But most people I know would never even think of doing that. But we don't understand. As radical and wild as Holy Spirit is, he is very sensitive. Almost moody. Really. He's tender. I had a pastor come to me a while back and he's pastoring a church. He's part of a a multi-church system in our city that has multiple campuses. And he just came and he said, will you pray with me? He says, "I, I see what God is doing here. And I want this to happen in my campus church. So we have been pushing. But one of the pastors that lead came to him and said, you need to put Holy Spirit on a diet. You need to put the Holy Spirit on a diet. Now, how do you think that makes the Holy Spirit feel? Because he feels it. I, I am greatly concerned, church. That there is an attitude of dishonor that has gripped the church. And I am concerned, if we have not, that we're on the verge of grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. Our Bible says that with the words of our mouth and how we communicate grieves the Holy Spirit. 
Obviously, when we allow sin and go into disobedience, it grieves the Holy Spirit. See, this is why as a born-again believer, you can't live like everybody else. Oh, you can still sin. But when you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you can't enjoy sin. Because Holy Ghost starts turning around. He grieves. He means he gets vexed. We're vexing the Holy Ghost. When Holy Ghost is moving and turning, he's peace and his joy. He's peace and his joy. But when we quench him and when we grieve him, he He doesn't leave us because he loves us, but he gets grieved inside of us. He's grieving because we don't longer see him for who he is. He's grieving because we let words come of our mouth and act like he's some little Holy Spirit that we don't need anymore. But oh, how we need him. Quench spirit. You know what the word quench literally means to extinguish the fire? To quench the spirit literally means you put your hand on the neck of the Holy Spirit and squeeze it until his life can no longer be released. The Holy Spirit cannot be ignored. I feel this morning that we need to invite the Holy Spirit back. To his church. I don't want a skinny Holy Spirit. I want the full weight. And I believe God is about ready to release the full weight of the Holy Spirit. He's about ready to unleash the weight of the Holy Spirit and churches that maybe not may not be built on false doctrine but they are there's they, they they have been built to live in a place where Holy Ghost does not move that when the weight of heaven comes they will shake under the weight of God he will not be mocked We grieve him. Trying to be Pentecostal with as little Holy Spirit as possible. We grieve him. So I came across this article. Stop inviting Holy Spirit into your church. Don't know the person. Seemed like a nice guy. His name, his name is Jeremy Howard. I, it was on the article, so... My conclusion is that he is obviously evangelical or part of our Reformed theological uh, people that seem to be growing in popularity. Has a, has a beef with Pentecostal charismatic churches inviting the Holy Spirit to their church. He lays out three arguments. The first one, he says, it's not biblical. He's not saying it's not biblical for Holy Ghost to be there. He's just saying it's not biblical to invite him to be there. His argument is, is because there's nowhere in Scripture that we pray to the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's true. There's nowhere in Scripture that says we pray to the Holy Spirit. Our Bible says we pray to the Father in Jesus' name through the Holy Spirit. That's what's taught. But my goodness, really. Last time I checked, God the Father, God the Son, God, Holy Ghost, three in one. It's not like you slight the Father if you talk to the Holy Ghost. I don't think he's like weird like that. He's not intimidated. He's not insecure. He's well entrenched upon his throne. He's not worried about Holy Ghost or Jesus taking over heaven. They're in complete unity. Perfect R3, one, one, three. It's awesome. But I have a rebuttal. 2 Corinthians 13, 4. I don't have it on the screen because I just looked at it this morning. And it's where Paul is talking about we have this amazing communion. 
with the Holy Spirit. He said, you have the grace of Jesus and the love of God and this fellowship, this communion with the Holy Spirit. The word there is koinonia. The word there is to walk close together. The word there is to be in relationship. But my goodness, you can't be in partnership with someone if you never talk to them. So that, 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 that's his first argument. I'll move on because i got to move on. His second argument is it's illogical. It's illogical because every born-again believer has in them the dwelling person of the Holy Spirit. We have an indwelling presence of God. The Holy Spirit is in us. When you come to the saving knowledge in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in you, as I mentioned earlier, and you are born again by the Spirit. So every believer has full Holy Ghost on the inside of them at the moment they are born again. You don't get half Holy Ghost because he's not going to split himself up because you could get a really crazy side or you could get a really mild side. But you get all Holy Ghost and he comes. And he comes to help. He comes to sustain. He comes to walk with us and to strengthen us. The Holy Spirit. He guides us. He leads us. He does. He helps us pray. He helps us to know why to pray he prays through us the holy spirit yes that's the indwelling presence and then but then but you've got to move on you got to move on to the empowering of the spirit this is the baptism of the holy spirit where the evidence is speaking in other tongues it's when the spirit of god comes on you and the spirit of god comes on you and and, and it's that's what happened in the book of acts we know that the, the disciples were born again when jesus breathed the breath of life into them. They were born again at that moment. But on the day of Pentecost, he didn't come in them. He came on them. This is why he said that, 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 that there, was a, there was a sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind uh, that blew into that room and fire set up on each one of them. And they, they, were, they received the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Here's the issue. He said, it's not logical. Why are you asking someone to come if he's already there? This is not complicated, people. Apparently, Jeremy, is that his name? Oh, yeah, Jeremy. Because I know us Pentecostals, we got weird things going on. Maybe he doesn't understand corporate anointing. Maybe he doesn't understand. Yes, when we come in here, we all come in here with the Holy Ghost in us if we're born again. And if we're baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence speaking in tongues, we walk in here with the Holy Ghost on us. But when we say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, will you come in greater measure? Or will you open up new realms of yourself to us, Holy Spirit? It is because there is a corporate anointing. It is because when a group of people get together and begin to pray in tongues and begin to release their heavenly language, it creates an atmosphere. Oh, they don't like talking about atmospheres because they most of them live in dead atmospheres. But you talk about an atmosphere where the glory and the presence of God comes. You see, oh, th this is so powerful. You see, there is an anointing that rests on churches that embrace and engage in speaking in tongues. Now, this offends some people because they want to act like the Holy Spirit is in every church. He is, but he doesn't manifest the same in every church. But the corporate anointing is when you get five, six, eight hundred thousand people in a room releasing their heavenly language and crying out for more of God. Guess what comes? Fire! <laughs> Tongues of fire rest on them and they were filled with the Spirit and spoke in other tongues. Revival is not an individualistic thing. True individuals experience revival. But the full experience of revival is a corporate thing. He's there, but he's not manifested. See, there's one more. Oh, it's mystical. To ask the Holy Spirit to come into a service is mystical. What does that mean? Okay, 
That's an, a, a person that is non-spirit filled to describe spirituality or supernatural. It's mystical. It's mystical. I quote, they're asking for Pentecost plus some. He's going back to the days of his early conversion that it messed him up when he went to a, a bookstore, Christian bookstore, and was checking out, and, and, and the lady said, you should come to our church sometime. He said, well, what's it like? Well, it's like more, more. And that messed him up because he's thinking like more Holy Ghost because we got the whole Holy Ghost in our church. Well, you do have the whole Holy Ghost in your church. But when's the last time you responded to the Holy Spirit? When's the last time you gave him an invitation? When's the last time you opened up your mouth and you said, Holy Spirit, come and fill me today afresh and anew? When's the last time, church, that you got really hungry for the Holy Spirit? When's the last time? See, they think we're mystical because we refuse to go to church and not have a spiritual encounter. That's really what they're saying, that, that we should not try to have spiritual encounters. We should just go in and go out and be happy with dead atmosphere and lifeless churches. But I have come to say today, I've come to make religion mad, and I've come to let this, this city know that in this house, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. And I'm not going to let any keep me from inviting Holy Spirit get up on your feet and shout yes okay there is hope you know God is not done yet If the Pentecostal church of our nation will repent, if we will repent of our pride and acknowledge our need, and that everything that we have put our hands on, that we may, we may create something that looks good, does not always create something from heaven. That we would have the courage to invite Holy Spirit back. Give up our man-made methods and wait with expectation to be empowered with a fresh baptism. The days ahead can be filled with revival and awakening. I say the only hope for America is a spirit-filled church. Don't let the mockers keep you from all God has. Don't let the mockers keep you from releasing your heavenly language. Don't let the mockers, they will be condescending. They will act like they know more and that you have no sense. Pray on. Press on. Believe on. You may think that there's no room for preaching like this, but I'm telling you, the Pentecostal church is under attack. It is much easier to go the other route. It is a road less traveled because it demands sacrifice. Of what? Many things, but one is your reputation. Well, they won't think I'm as smart as they are. They don't think I understand the Bible like they do. This city needs Pentecostal tongue-talking Jesus preaching, sick healing, 
devil cast it out. People that walk in and change everything. Because they just don't have him in them. They carry him on them. There is something more. And we will not stop. When will you get it? When we get to heaven. Until then, there's always. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.